If you have kids, and especially if you have kids who are nearing double-digit age like us, then you've probably asked yourself, when do we want to give our kids a phone? When is the best time? Well, even though Neil and I would like to stick with never, (laughs) we know it's an inevitable crossroads. So today I'm sitting down with Bill Brady, the CEO and founder of Trumi Wireless, to talk all about the nitty gritty of giving kids phones and most importantly, how to do it safely. We check off all my questions, including when it's necessary and how to make sure you're doing it safely. I also grill Bill pretty hard on how safe his phone is, whether it's hackable, what the workarounds are that kids might discover, and I don't hold back on some of my differing opinions about devices, social media, and the impact on kids. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode, and if you do find yourself convinced that you want a Trumi phone for your kids now or down the road, Bill was nice enough to give us a discount code, Mint Arrow for $50 off any of their phones. Enjoy the episode. I am so excited today to be talking to Bill from Trimmy Wireless. I can't wait to ask him all of my burning questions because I've got little kiddos in the house that are already asking me for cell phones and I keep telling them. My oldest, especially Annabelle, just is driving me nuts with that question almost every day. And my answer is always, well, I was 18 when I got my first (laughs) phone. So you can for sure get one by the time you're 18. But anything before that, like uh, no promises. So I just can't wait to ask you all my questions. But Bill, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into this industry. Thank you so much for for having me on. Great to be with you and your, your listeners today. My background is actually in marketing. And so I've spent first my university education and then 20 years in the marketing industry. I've been concerned with communication and studying communication. And for a couple of decades, I've been concerned about the effect of technology on the way we communicate as humans. Now, for marketers, it's been awesome. You know, all these new channels of mobile technology and social media. It's been great for marketers. I don't think it's been great for us as individuals and the way that we relate to each other. And frankly, the way we take time for ourselves, I think it's had a detrimental effect. So that's, that's kind of the, the long background. And then more recently, as a, as a father, uh, I've got five kids of my own ranging from 17 years down to, to five years. Okay. I've been in the middle of it as yeah. a dad watching what's the effect of technology on kids and how can recently it's been the question of how can I help make that a safer experience for kids everywhere. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Was there something though that really triggered you to be passionate about specifically kids and cell phones and making that safe? Was it just your own kids or was there anything else that happened that really made you passionate about this? It was concern for my own kids, but it was also having friends who had some pretty horrific things happen in their families. I'll tell one quick story of a a friend of mine who, just like every parent in America, was being badgered by his his child about, I want my phone. I want my first phone. I want to, you know, let's do this. Yep. And he finally relented. The boy was 11 or 12 and they got him a flip phone. Well, flip phones aren't popular with kids, yeah. uh, and, you know, and they get made fun of and, and everything else. So the badgering continued. And when the boy turned 13, his parents got him an iPhone, a full function, full feature iPhone. 
And my friend, as he's telling me this story, was literally in tears. Mm. And, and he said, Bill, we went from having the sweetest family life you can imagine to living the worst hell you can imagine in a matter of six months. Oh, that's so sad. And I said, well, tell me about that. What, what happened? And, uh, and he said, within two weeks of getting that full, fully functional iPhone, um, within two weeks, our son was addicted to pornography. And within a, a few months after that, he was trying drugs. He'd been contacted by drug dealers and, and, and people through social media. And by the end of that six months, the, the kid himself was dealing drugs in the church parking lot during Sunday school. Oh, wow. <laughs> you can imagine, you know, the emotion of that. And, and here's the interesting part. I said to my friend, I knew him well enough that without being judgmental, I said to him, help me understand why you didn't have the parental controls turned on. Totally. That's my first question too. And he said, Bill, I thought I did. Oh, wow. And that's the problem is that, you know, a lot of the controls out there and some of the native operating systems are, are so difficult to manage or maintain that, that parents don't get it all the way complete or kids learn how to get around it and, yeah. and skirt some of the controls out there. So that's, that was part of this, this whole thought process of there's got to be a better way. Everything I've worked on over the last uh, two, three years has stemmed from that that feeling. That's so interesting. So that's kind of an extreme example, but talk to me about some of the most common fallout issues that parents deal with in, in like an average kid, because that is kind of an extreme example, right? <laughs> yes, that's definitely an extreme example. The obvious concerns and risks are inappropriate content. Pornography is everywhere. Violence is everywhere. Those are kind of the things that most parents would say, correct. I don't want my kids in that stuff. Right. Inundated with that every day, every time they pick up their phone. Yes. Yeah. But what parents don't realize, what so many parents are just coming to realize right now is that there are other dangers that are just as harmful, but they're not as obvious. Okay. And, and I think specifically about stress, anxiety, depression, bullying, and all of these things that, that start online and frankly, through social media. That's one of the things I feel really strongly about is even if you, you get to a point where you say, you know, I want my child to have a device so they can be connected to me. Don't go all the way down the road to social media because that, that's, that's where so many of the dangers really start. With my own kids, we just determined, you know, my wife and I, we're, we don't do social media, period. Our kids are not doing social media. And guess what? They've had wonderful friendships and great lives, and it hasn't, it hasn't hampered their ability to have happy childhoods. Yeah, somehow <laughs> we had happy childhoods without social media, right? I understand that it's different, but I, I want to get into that. So let's start, though, first with, so I appreciate we talked about some of those dangers, some of the risks, some of the pitfalls that kids get into. So, but you guys have created a solution to being able to, like you said, be connected to your kids 
without giving them some of those harmful access or easier access to some of those harmful things. So let's start with age. I'm super curious. This is probably like my number one burning question is when is it appropriate to give a kid a phone in your opinion? So the answer is different for every family. And I recognize that different family circumstances require different solutions. So, you know, so one that I see frequently where it does make sense to give a younger child a phone, for example, is when mom and dad aren't together and, you know, mom needs to be able to talk to son or daughter when they're at their dad's house and vice versa. I recognize, you know, there are circumstances like that. But other than some of those family situations where perhaps technology is required at an earlier age, I encourage parents to put it off a little bit. I had someone reach out to me a couple of weeks ago and say, hey, thrilled to see your new service. My, my daughter is starting kindergarten and I want her to have a phone. Oh, wow. And, and I said, don't. Yeah. Don't do it. Like that's, a five-year-old does not need a phone. And, and we, had, we had a long conversation about it. So, you know, that really young age, I, you know, I think that's, that should be pretty clear. Let kids be kids. Let them learn how to play. Let them learn how to be bored. Let them learn how to develop life outside uh, this constant digital connection. So all that said, you know, in, in America, the average age now is about eight years old when kids start getting phones. Is it really? I did not know that. That's really interesting. Eight years old. Yeah. And that's how I, my daughter's almost nine, actually. So eight, that blows me away. By the time kids are 10 and 12, everyone has phones. It's more common that someone has a phone than not by far, you know, by the time, especially by 12. Okay. And, and by the time a kid is in that 10 to 12, you know, year old range, personally, I think that is a healthy, that's a healthy starting point. As long as you're taking an approach that's a, a tempered approach. Okay. I would never say, hey, you know, go buy your son or daughter the $1,200 phone and give them everything. No, no. We've got to, we've got to give kids a, an opportunity to learn responsibility, learn discipline, and step into the functionality. Let the functionality progress as they mature. That's what we've set out to do at Trumi is create that kind of a tech environment where a parent could give a younger child a device that is literally just talking text. But we know that that child is going to outgrow that really quickly. So you've got to be able as a parent to, within an environment of no pornography and no social media, et cetera, still be able to step that child into additional tools that they need. Okay. So talk to me about what that logistically looks like if I hand my, so Annabelle's going to be nine this year. So maybe like in a couple years, in a year or two, whatever I I say, okay, this is, and this is how I feel like we're going to do this. This is our phone, but we're going to let you use it under this kind of a contract. And I've got those things in mind. You know, we set up an agreement. It's mom and dad's phone. But then after that, I kind of don't know what, so what's your recommendation after that? Like, what are some good starting stepping stones of like, you have a phone, here are your, because I know with Trumi, you can kind of decide just how much or how little access they have. So what's a good starting point that you think most parents should start out with? I think it's great to start with talk and 
limited texting. So just regular SMS texting, which is no pictures, no group messages. Let a kid learn, you know, just some responsibility, just with that limited experience. Very quickly, you know, they'll say, hey, I want to be involved in the family group text. Or, you know, this, my friends have this, this group chat. I'd like to be in that. Uh, and that's great. So I think that that one should progress fairly quickly. An important point here, though, is that with most devices, you give your kid that phone and you don't have any control over who they're talking to, over who they're texting with. That was something that was one of the, the things that we wanted to solve. So on, on, a, on a Trumi phone for a younger child, you can say, hey, I'm going to turn on a feature that we call safe listing. Mm-hmm. And the child can only talk or text with people whom you, as the parent, put into their contact list. So you don't have to worry about spam calls. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, a predator reaching out and trying to start some kind of a text conversation. So I I would always start with, yeah, just basic calling and texting with safe listing turned on. And, uh, and then I would move to MMS so they can start sending pictures and doing group text and proceed from there. We can talk more about what that what that progression looks like. Yeah. So I have a question, though, just even about this like whitelisting thing. And when I heard about gizmo watches, I was like, hopefully that's okay to bring that up. Absolutely. I was like, that's genius. I'm going to send my kids to college with a gizmo watch. That's awesome. One of my kids has a gizmo watch. Oh, it's that's been awesome. A, it's been a, he's too young. I wouldn't give him a phone yet. Okay. But I do want him to be able to say, hey, I'm ready to be picked up from my friend's house and stuff. Gotcha. He does not need a phone, but the, you know, the gizmo has worked great. Okay. But I've heard from a lot of parents that they don't like it. The kids don't like it. It's like, has some drawbacks. So why, well, especially since your kid has one, what's the advantage of Trumi over the gizmo watch? A child outgrows that really quickly. For a seven-year-old child, they're thrilled to have something. That's yeah. great, yeah. you know? But uh, there, there, there quickly comes a point, as all of their other friends are getting devices, that they're going to be asking for the device. With Trumi, we basically set up that first level of functionality to replicate the functionality of a gizmo, where you as the parent decide the people they can talk to, but instead of talking into their wrist on a, on a watch, they're, they're doing it with you know, a, a real phone. So they, they, feel, they feel more empowered and they're learning that responsibility. Gotcha. Um, we, we want kids to learn responsibility. We want them to, you know, by the time they leave home, they are going to be on their own. and They do have to have, you know, all of, you know, they, they have to have healthy habits with technology. Right. And that's something I'm concerned about that I feel like, okay, honestly, we have to give our kids something while they are under our supervision and they live in our home and they're under our influence because as much as it seems like, okay, let's put it off until the very last second, until they're basically moving away and going to college or whatever, that's probably not the best time to hand them their very first piece of technology and say, here, go, you know, here's the Wild West, figure it out all on your own. So I like that idea of being able to kind of slowly walk them through and give them, you know, baby steps into that world. Yeah, just just like I had a, a conversation with with that individual about, hey, don't give your five-year-old a phone. Yeah. I've also had conversations with, with people that are saying, your son is 17. 
he needs to be using a full-on phone so that when he leaves home in six months, he's not just going to be immediately faced with this, oh, I don't know what to do. And it is yeah. the Wild West, like you said. So I think it's I think it's essential that parents step kids into the different levels of functionality and responsibility while they're still at home and can be monitored, I think is the best way to go. So I want to talk about the monitoring thing too, because I've heard friends talk about how difficult it is to actually monitor the conversations and know if there's bullying going on or if there's yeah. inappropriate conversations or whatever. I mean, we love that movie. Oh, what is the movie where they foster these kids and end up adopting them? And it's, it is so funny. It has Mark Wahlberg in it. Oh, I wish I could remember the name sure. of the movie, but it's a really funny movie. It and sounds the, familiar, but I don't know. The girl in high school has like this boyfriend who starts sending her inappropriate texts and the parents think it's like this high school kid at her school. And it turns out it's like the adult janitor. And so there's this whole oh funny goodness. like showdown with the dad. I mean, they make it funny, but it's also kind of like, oh, dang, that's also something that actually happens where, it does. you know, and I've, I've heard of, I mean, I've seen both sides where my friends are like, we're trying to monitor the conversations. And then I've had friends who are like, oh yeah, in high school, I used to just change my boyfriend's name to like Amanda or whatever. And then my parents weren't really watching that text thread because they thought I was just talking to my friend. Like I've heard all kinds of things. Yeah. So, and most of all, my friends that are like setting up a hack where they get the iMessages on a separate device so that when their kid deletes them off of their phone, it's still somewhere else. And so how do you guys navigate that whole thing? Cause I know you have something pretty cool set up. Yeah, that's great. So I, if your child is using technology, you should be monitoring. Yeah. Um, and, and so we're on the same page there. It is difficult for every parent to go through that process of, all right, Bobby or Sally, uh, let me see your phone. You know, uh, remind me what your password is. And, yeah. you know, and you go through that process of scanning the text messages. So we are unrolling a feature right inside what we call our, our parent portal. That's the, the app that we've developed where a parent controls all the functionality of their, of their child's phone, goes through all the settings and determines what's available and what's not available. We're adding to that the ability to remotely watch all of the text messages. So they'll all get logged. Even if they get deleted on the child's phone, they show up in that parent portal. So parents can have a, a real-time view if they want it, but they never have to be up in their kid's face having that, what is for so many families, an awkward or a tense or sometimes even a combative moment of, let me look at your phone. Right. We're really trying to help parents have a positive relationship with their kids through this whole technology thing. I just philosophically, one of the things I just can't stand is shame and having any kind of a wedge that comes into a parent-child relationship around technology. What a waste. What a waste. And so we're trying to provide a tool that, that lets parents be involved without the kid feeling, they know their parent is, it can watch, but it's not this feeling of I'm up in your face and up in your business all the time. Yeah, that's really cool that you guys have that. So my next question that I've been meaning to ask is what sets you guys apart? What makes you different from other competitors in your space? Thank you. Thank you for that. 
if you look at the current landscape of technology options you can give to kids on, on one end of the spectrum, it's the wild west that we've talked about. It's yeah. the hand your kid an unlimited phone. Yeah. Here you go. Figure it out. Have fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> and on the other end of the spectrum, there are some great solutions that are very safe because they are so limited. We talked about the gizmo. There's a device called the relay. There's a, a lockdown phone called Gab Wireless. And those have been great solutions for a lot of families because they, they, they are safe. The challenge that, that I see is that they're so limited that they're not going to have staying power with the child. The child will outgrow it so fast that A, it, it doesn't become a long-term solution for the family, or B, you're, you're actually robbing that child of opportunities to use safe, healthy constructive apps that could help them with their schoolwork, with their hobbies. In our family, we do a lot of scripture study, for example. I want my kids to be able to read the scriptures on their phone. Yeah, that's cool. What we've done is curate a suite of what we call kids smart apps, still avoiding technology, still avoiding social media, but give kids apps they can choose from that we've already vetted for safety. And a parent can add those in the parent portal and, and then feel like, okay, I'm giving my kids the tools they need for school, like a digital classroom app, but I'm not giving them the Wild West. <laughs> yeah. So is there an ability for a parent to like say that my kids go to a school in California and their school has a specific app that they need? Is that something that the parent can then select or is it something that Trimmy Wireless has to like whitelist themselves as far as an app that's approved? Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, makes great sense. So it does have to go through our vetting process, but okay. we've made it really easy for anyone to submit a, a request. So right on the homepage of our website, you can say, hey, here's, a, here's an app that I would love to see. So we get those requests coming in every day and some of them are dead on arrival. No, this is a social media app. We don't do social media. But others go through our process of very thorough testing to make sure that there's no backdoors for predators. There's no unintended connections to, to online content that would surprise or concern a parent. If an app passes that vetting process, then we add it to the library that's available. Okay. I saw that Trumi allows kids to play some games, which I'm a little like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that because I feel like kids get so obsessive with games. Like even my own kids, we sometimes give them technology time where we'll we'll say, okay, if you do all your jobs, you get your piano done and you have done all your homework and you get it all done before dinner, then for like one hour before dinner, you can sit down and have technology time on the iPad and we'll, you know, we have like a few apps that we allow them to like play a little educational game on or whatever, but they, it's hard because I, I want them to have that, but I also see how they just get like fixated on like once they get sucked in, even if it's something like ABC mouse, they just, it's like mortal yeah. combat trying to take that away from them. <laughs> but you guys do allow games. So talk to me about how that works. So you and I are on exactly the same page. 
in our family, we don't do video games. That was another one of those ones where Heidi and I early on said, we don't do gaming consoles. And, you know, when we do let the kids do the educational games, it's for very limited access. So we're on the same page. And my business partner and I, his name's Dave, and we had long talks about this, deciding how do we, how do we address that? Because there are families like, like yours and mine where we say, we don't want games. But there are thousands of other families that say, no, I want my kid to have access to reasonable games, non-addictive, non-violent, non-sexual games. You know, obviously stay away from all the, the crud. But, you know, they do want their kids to have access to something because they don't want to have the fight. So the answer for me, you know, as Dave and I debated this, it came down to the fact that it's your decision as a parent. If you don't want your child to have games, don't put them on the phone. You decide that in the parent portal. So the only the only way you'd have a game on there is if you elect to have the game on there. And the kid never sees. The kid does not have access to the app library, so they cannot see what's available. That's only in the parent portal. So it's a decision for every that every family gets to make uh, for themselves. And so if you do put those things on your kid's phone, like I think I saw that ABC Mouse was one of the options, right? Yes. Can you say like you are only whitelisted or this is only turned on from 4 to 5 p.m. or something? And if you make it in that window, then you can do it from 4 to 5. But if your stuff isn't done, then you miss your opportunity for the day. Yes. Every single function of the phone can be governed by time of day availability. So you can only use this app and you can do this on an app by app or function by function basis. This is only allowed from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. or 30 minutes a day or or both. This is only allowed between three and seven, but a maximum of 40 minutes. You know, so you can set those kinds of parameters for any feature function of the phone. So what about like during school, you can only call mom and dad and then after you can call your friends Is that like, or text your friends or something. Is that a thing or no? So you can set that kind of control by putting mom and dad, brother, sister, grandma on the emergency contact list. Okay. A child always has access to the emergency contacts for calling or texting. Okay. You could otherwise though say, Hey, texting is turned off during X, Y, Z hours. Okay, like while you're at school. Yep. And you'd only be able to talk to mom and dad. Cool. I like that. That's awesome. Because sometimes I'm like, you know, going back to the very first conversation about when do we give our kid a phone? There are times where even earlier this week, we were dropping our kid off at a surf camp. And I was like, man, this is kind of far away. And what if they end early? Or what if she gets injured or something happens? And, you know, she's really far away from a phone. I mean, she could have used like one of the lifeguards phones, I guess. But that was one situation where I said to my husband, it would be kind of nice for her to have some way to contact us if she really needed to. So I like that, that you can always get to your emergency contacts. That's cool. In that that use case, that scenario you bring up, that's one of the critical ones that causes a lot of parents to say, hey, I think it's time. We had an experience that was terrifying where my wife and I, we have a daughter who's involved in a kid's choir that rehearses a couple times a week. 
and she had received a drive. One of one of her friend's parents drove her to a, a rehearsal one day, but at the end of the rehearsal, forgot that they were taking her home. Oh no! And our our little girl was left on the steps outside a big building in Salt Lake City, which can be a you know it's a big city, mm-hmm. and she was terrified. In this, she did not have a phone, and. You know, thank goodness, one of the other parents said, hey, do you need a ride? Are your mom and dad coming? Like, what's the, what's going on? Yeah. And thank goodness, one of the other parents clued into it and brought her home. Oh, but that's we would nice. have had no way of knowing that she, that her ride had missed her. Yeah. So that that's an important one. But again, if that's, if that's the purpose that you want to give your kid a phone with our solution, you can give them a phone for that purpose. It's connectivity to mom and dad without risk of connectivity to all these other influences that you don't want to have to control yet. Yeah. I want to ask you too about, so my husband, and we've been super open about this, but my husband is a recovering pornography addict. So he spent years and he's, he's almost got, it's almost been five years since his last relapse or whatever. So he's done awesome the last several years, but for years before that, he would, with great intentions, download some kind of a app or he would like he would have a phone and have me put controls on it or whatever but he basically said I feel like if you are determined enough with all those experiences in the past and again it's been several years since then but he was like if I wanted to I could pretty much jailbreak my way out of anything so do you guys feel like with kids if they're smart and determined enough, they can kind of like break out of these systems? Or do you feel like they're pretty like, you know, locked down? In the big picture of what's available on the market or what has been available up to this point, that's exactly the case. I learned this about a year ago. I was speaking to a young man. He was about 16 years old. And he explained to me that in every high school, there are kids who get paid to hack other kids' phones. So wow. you show up to school, you give your iPhone and a hundred bucks to the, the hacker. And at the end of the day, he gives you your phone back and you can do whatever you want to do. Wow. And the challenge there is that with some of the, the, the native systems where the controls are available, there are backdoors to the controls on the device itself that figured it out. So when we were building ours, we said, the phone itself will have no controls for the functionality on it. So that's why we built this separate app. So an operating system that's on the phone, but it's also in the parent portal. And that's where all the controls happen. So we have a high degree of confidence that unless your, you know, your kid hacks your, your website, it would, you would keep that safe like you would your bank account. So all the controls are, are aside and, and we have a high degree of confidence that unless you're giving your kid your password, which don't do. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> then uh, we're very secure and, and kids won't be able to, to hack it. That's really interesting that so it's not controlled on the actual device itself, that it's controlled by the parent's parent portal. Yeah. That's interesting because I had never thought of it that way. But yeah, my husband, Neil, when I told him about Trumi, he was like, ah, my only concern is like, I'm not, he's like, I'm not a techie, but when I wanted to figure out how to unhack or, you know, get out of some kind of 
parental control or whatever, he was like, I suddenly turned into like this world-class hacker, you know, because. So very seriously, I would love to send him one and see if he can do it. Yeah, I would love it too. He, um, (laughs) you know, he said that like the thing that was most common that he found that if there was something that was web-based, it had any type of connectivity to the internet that he could always like hack a browser out of there and basically find a way to use a totally open web browser. I'm glad you brought that up because to combat that, what we've done is just like we have the call safe listing, we also have domain safe listing. Mm. So for the phone, if you have the safe browser activated, we call it the kid smart browser. If that's activated and it should be, you know, the only time I would take that off is for a 17 or or 18 year old. If that kid smart browser is activated, The only websites that are available are websites that you as the parent have designated inside of the parent portal. Mm, You can't even type into a search bar. There's no search bar. You can only choose domains that are in a drop-down list that your parent has has put there. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) knowing how clever kids are. Yeah. Uh, that that's what we did. So, and, and that same thing applies, you know, if you have a, an app, you know, this one came up in a, a conversation the other day where one of the apps that we have available is the, the weather network. There are ads on the weather network. Yeah. But if you click one of those ads, it'll open the browser. If you've got the browser there, because you can choose not to have the browser, but if, if you do have a browser available, it would open a window and just say, sorry, that is not available to you. Okay. That's really good to know. It literally cannot go to a domain that your parent has not designated as a safe domain. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Okay. I do want to talk about social media too, because we've brushed on it a little bit, but why no social media and why did you guys decide yes to games and parents can say yes to that, but like absolutely no social media. To me, social media is that area where the most damage is done right below our noses and at our kids' fingertips. It happens innocuously over time, but it is the, it's the cause of that pattern that causes kids to lose confidence in themselves, which is, I can't think of a greater tragedy. It causes kids to be so connected to this digital life that real life loses its importance. Oh, that's so true. One of my ecclesiastical leaders said it like this one time. He was asked, when's the right age to give your kids social media? And his response was, well, how soon do you want your sons to be addicted to pornography and your daughters to have low (laughs) self-esteem? Oh, man. Yeah, because that stuff is on there. And social media is just so, so dangerous. It's this constant comparison culture where all, all people do it. This is true of adults too. This is not just kids. Yeah. But all we do on social media is compare ourselves to other people and focus on the things that we don't have instead of the things that we do have. It robs us of gratitude and it, it causes us to question our worth. And again, if you go on to Facebook for an afternoon, you're going to be fine. It's the, it's the long term. It's the it's the long term pattern of 
focusing on on things other than what's most important in life. Yeah, I like that you said that because I would actually challenge you when I feel like I'm always trying to counter that thinking of like social media is evil and it's all bad and it all just brings people down because I feel really passionately that social media has such a power for good and that we can do so much good with social media. And I feel like that's been something that's really, really central and key to what we do with our brand and what I do with my platform. And that's really important to me. But I do agree with you that it's the excessive use and the obsession. And when people get sucked into like, that's how they unwind. That's how they get validation. That's how they're constantly making connections that feel real, but they're actually totally not. So you just hit the nail on the head. It comes down to where do you get your validation? If you're only getting validated online, that's a really poor path toward confidence and self-esteem. And I'm not saying all social media is evil. We use social media in our brand. Right. That's how people learn about, about Trumi. But there's a big difference between adults and kids. Kids' brains are not yet formed well enough to understand what's real and what's not real. And to have a little bit of a, a discerning judgment on how people are presenting things. I will point out one of the big universities here in Utah, Brigham Young University, just released earlier this year a multi-year study about the effect of social media on teenagers. And there was an unequivocal finding that excessive social media use in children leads to higher rates of suicidality or a disposition towards suicide. And that's, that's real. We have some of the high schools in our state where teen suicide has become an epidemic. One school had seven suicides in a year. Yeah, that's not okay. That's attached to technology. We just can't, we can't deny that. So yeah, I mean, that, that's our mission is to give families a, a safer option to gradually introduce the right tools, the safe tools to kids and keep them out of this this rut that turns them into stress, anxiety, depression, and in those severe cases, teen suicide. The teen suicide rate in the United States has almost doubled since the iPhone came out 15 years ago. Wow. That's a fact. That's the Centers for Disease Control. And so we've, we've got to be conscious of it as parents. Yeah. Well, I just really love all of the things that you guys are doing with your brand. I think it's awesome. I am certain that we will be customers too. And I'm excited to do that when, whenever it's appropriate with our kids. And I don't know, we've, we've talked about that. So it's, I love that you guys have provided such a great solution. So I have one last question for you. And that is, if there's one message that you want the people listening to this episode to remember, what do you want that message to be? Be intentional. As you're making these decisions about kids and technology, be very intentional. Don't just give kids technology because everyone else is doing it. Don't just give kids technology because they're saying, I'm the only kid in my class. (laughs) Know that you're not alone. Every parent in America with young kids is dealing with these questions. And just make intentional decisions. Technology can provide dramatic opportunities for good for learning, for creativity. Embrace that when it's time, but steer kids away from from those aspects of technology that, that we know come with 
risk that is just too high. I love that. Well, Bill, thanks so much for taking time to share all of this with me today. Where can people find you guys and look into becoming your customer? So all of our sales are done online, www.trumi.com. That's P-R-O-O-M-I. We've got a great blog there, so you can read all about these issues. Our social media channels are Trumi Wireless on Facebook and Instagram. And yeah, we'd love to have you come check things out. Okay, awesome. We'll, we'll link to all of those in our show notes too. So thanks again for your time today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcast and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.